This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 20th, 2016. Loved, yet hated. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for this day. It's a tough day when we reflect on this last week of your life. And for many of us, it's a a story that we've heard lots of times. And for others, it might be the first time or maybe the second. But Lord, help us hear it fresh. For your word is the living word. Speak into our hearts. Remove any distractions that we might have so that we can really focus in, zero in on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. So let's start off this morning with scripture. We're focused on Mark chapter 11. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So the word as we begin this morning is Hosanna! Can you say it with me? Hosanna! Hosanna. I can't hear you. Hosanna! Hosanna. Yeah. Hosanna, it means means saves. Saves. It's an expression of praise for the one the people recognize as the Savior. It's, It's what the people were shouting as Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The verses in Scripture that lead up to this tell us that he rode into town on a donkey, fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy of the prophet Zechariah that the king would come gentle and riding on a donkey. The people, the people spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut palm branches and, and waved them and spread them on the road as well, a, a sign that they were paying homage to the king, their king, Jesus. Now, just prior to this, Jesus had given sight to a man who was born blind. He had not only done that, but he raised someone from the dead to new life. His name was Lazarus. Lazarus was dead for four days, and Jesus raised him from the tomb. Word was spreading fast about this guy named Jesus. Crowds were ramped up as they followed him. It was like he was a rock star. It's like he was the famous one. Jesus was loved. And so today we celebrate. We, we call it Palm Sunday we, we, as we recall the palms that were, that were cut down and waved and spread on the road in honor of Jesus. The people were welcoming him as they would a conquering hero, a, a triumphant king. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David, they shouted. Reminds us that they were looking 
for an earthly king, a, a king who would restore Israel to its glory days, a, a king who would free them from Roman rule, a king who would look a lot like actually Jesus' ancestor, the, the greatest king Israel had known, King David. Many, many didn't realize, uh, they didn't realize that Jesus was a king, but a very, very different king than what they were hoping for or expecting. How ironic this all was. How ironic. The king that they were looking for would have ridden in on a horse like a warrior king. But instead, this king came riding in on a donkey, which signified peace. Many of the people were looking for a king who would turn things upside down politically. But instead, this king was turning things upside down spiritually. Hmm. Isn't that so true for us a lot of the time when it comes to Jesus? You know, the Jesus we want isn't always the Jesus we get. How often do we want the nice, the friendly, the why don't you do what I ask you to do, Jesus? And what we get is the turn your life upside down, take you out of your comfort zone, love your enemies and forgive those who have done things to hurt you, Jesus. You know, our prayers aren't always answered the way we want them answered, are they? <laughs> so this uh, segment of scripture we're speaking about today is found in the book of Mark. Mark is found in the New Testament. Mark is one of the gospels. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels share, Gospel means good news, and the Gospels share about the life and ministry of Jesus. There are little nuances that make each Gospel the same and a bit different, but one thing that's important to note is that this story that we share today is in all four accounts of Jesus' life. And so it's commonly known in Scripture as the triumphal entry. The triumphal entry. Can you even begin to imagine what a scene of celebration that was? The, the people, they loved Jesus, or they, they loved who they thought this Jesus was. The one was the one that was healing, the one who was um, uh, bringing good things to their lives, the, the one who was, uh, wow, the one who was bringing miracles that they could see. And, and they showed that they loved him with everything they had. And it was, it was great while it lasted. The triumphal entry, the, the palms in the streets, the, the shouts of Hosanna. Wow. Wow. You ever notice, though, how those, uh, those high points in our lives, they don't always last, do they? And they're followed by low points. You know, we get those mountains... But sooner or later, we're going to get a valley. And those valleys all too often last a whole lot longer than the mountaintops. Yeah. And it was true in this case, like so many others. <coughs> when Jesus got to Jerusalem, he entered the temple area. And there were people there who were in the business of selling sacrificial doves to those who came in from out of town rather than having to bring animals with them. They, they would just buy the sacrifice there at the temple as they needed that sacrifice for the, uh, 
for the, the Passover festival. And, and there were a lot of people in town for that. It was like the major festival of the year, and people from all over came to temple for that. Not only were they, were they selling overpriced sacrifices, but they were also exchanging foreign currency and, and doing it at a, at a tidy profit there. So these entrepreneurs were taking advantage of the situation. They were using it for their own uh, financial benefit. And in the process, they were making a complete mockery of the sacrifice called for in the temple. Now, in the Gospels, we see Jesus as kind and loving and compassionate. But in this instance, we see Jesus angry. He did not like what was going on in God's house, in the temple. Here's what happens next. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. I mean, here is a place where Jesus is flat out angry. He is so ticked off at what is going on in his father's house. And as he taught them, he said, it, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. <laughs> the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to what? Kill him. Kill him. For they feared him. See, he was gaining a whole lot of popularity People were following him. They weren't following the religious leaders because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Mm. You know, being politically correct wasn't one of Jesus' strong suits, nor was being religiously correct. But you could always count on the fact that he would be biblically correct. Amen. And so, and so that last week of Jesus' life begins, and a week that started out so promising, so encouraging, so exciting, certainly would not end that way. While the crowds loved Jesus, spiritual authorities feared and despised him. He was loved, and yet he was hated as the journey to the cross got more intense and intentional. cross I look and to the cross I cling of its suffering I do drink of its work I do sing on it my Savior both bruised and crushed Show that God is love And God is just At the cross you beckon me Draw me gently to my knees And I am lost for words so lost 
Jesus continued to teach. He taught day and night. He tried to teach all that he could. The Bible says that during the day he was in the temple and at night he spent his time at the Mount of Olives teaching. And all the while, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that's the 
the religious leaders, they continued to look for ways to get rid of Jesus. But as we said a few moments ago, they had to be really, really careful because they were afraid of the masses of people who were in love with Jesus, who had experienced transformation from Jesus, who came to hear him teach and preach every day. Then one of the twelve, the, the one called Judas Iscariot, he went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him, to hand Jesus over. And so the one who had been hailed king, who came in like a mighty parade. I mean, can you just imagine the biggest parade in the country? Hail to the king, welcome, yay, Jesus, is now going to be betrayed. Betrayed, given over, offered up for 30 pieces of silver. That's the price of a slave. By one of the 12 men who had done life with him for three years, who had watched him and heard him, who had sat at his feet, who saw the miracles. And now he would be betrayed. You see, Judas made a deal with the religious leaders, not to mention the devil, to turn Jesus over to them at just the right time. And that time turned out to be just after Jesus shared the Last Supper with his closest followers, the 12 disciples. And it was during that supper that, that he offered one of them one of his most powerful teachings. It was during that meal that Jesus got up and he, and he took on the role of the servant as he washed the feet of the disciples who were gathered there with him for the last time before he would be arrested and sent to the cross. He pointed out to them that he came to serve, not be served. And, and, and he told them that they were to do the same. How ironic that the Son of God would be the one to wash the feet of those who were gathered rather than the other way around. How, how ironic that Jesus would wash the feet uh, of the one who would shortly betray him. How ironic that he would wash the feet of the rest of the disciples who would very shortly desert him. How would you feel? would you feel having Jesus wash your feet? Why don't you just take a minute and close your eyes and just picture Jesus washing your feet. very humbling, isn't it? Very, very humbling uh, to know the unconditional love that he has for you, that he has for each of us. 
And you know, Jesus tells us, each of us, to go and do the same. To serve one another with that same kind of unconditional love. And so Jesus continued to pour himself into the disciples, teaching them as much as he could in those last hours of his life, trying to tell them what would happen next. They really shouldn't have been surprised because he told them, but we know that they were. He was trying to prepare them for life without him. Well, one of Jesus' closest friends, closest disciples, his name was Peter. Maybe you've heard of Peter. Peter said that he would follow Jesus wherever he went, that he would lay his life down for Jesus. And that's when Jesus informed Peter that before the cock crowed, the rooster crowed, in other words, before morning came, Peter would deny him, not once, not twice, but three times. Yeah. How devastating that must have been. I mean, can you imagine being Peter? Lord, I will love you. I will give my life for you. And Jesus saying, you know what? You're going to deny me. I mean, that would have taken my breath away. But then can you imagine Jesus, who counted on Peter and his other disciples, but especially Peter, James, and John, and knowing that Peter would deny him, would walk away, would run away, in fear. So the question is this for each one of us. How many times have we been named Peter? <laughs> How many times have we denied Jesus? I don't think we like wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to deny Jesus today. But we do. And sometimes it's in big ways and sometimes it's in subtle ways. But um, I would deny Jesus if, um, if my words were sharp or if I gossiped. That's denying Jesus. We can deny Jesus by feeling this little nudge that we really need to reach out in care and concern to someone. It could just be a simple phone call or a note, and we ignore it. We could deny Jesus by... Um, taking a, an easy way out and being kind of chicken in our faith. Yeah, we, we deny Jesus by our words, by our action, when we are not his hands and feet or voice. And I suspect that for many of us, possibly our inaction is a really big way that we deny Christ. So after supper, Jesus and the disciples, they went out to the Mount of Olives to, to pray. And, and Jesus needed some time off alone. So he went off to pray privately, and he took his inner circle, Peter and James and John, with him. He took them for support. He needed support. And they couldn't stay awake. Kind of look like us, don't they? At least look like me. <laughs> That's what I would do because we're human. While they were there, Judas came with the uh, chief priests and the elders of the people, and he, he kissed Jesus to identify him as the one that they wanted. And, and they proceeded to take him in. and They took him before the Sanhedrin, which is like the Jewish Supreme Court. And while this happened, the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, well, they deserted him. 
as they ran away, fearing for their own lives. <laughs> the hosannas <laughs> of the Palm Sunday parade. They're just kind of a distant memory at this point, aren't they? The religious leaders claim that Jesus was guilty of blasphemy. Blasphemy means claiming to be God. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, and so they wanted the death penalty as punishment. So they took him to Pilate. <laughs> Pilate was the Roman governor, asking Pilate to declare this death sentence and to take Jesus' life. Pilate was reluctant, but the leaders kept pushing him and pushing him. Pilate was really a cowardly leader because what he did kind of to remove himself from it and not lead the way he should, even though that he knew he had this nudging that it was all wrong, he gave the crowd the choice. Back then on um, the Passover feast, they had this custom where they would release one prisoner a year. And so he said to the crowd, who should we release? Should we release this guy named Barabbas, who was guilty of murder, or should we release Jesus? Well, the religious leaders kind of kept pushing and pushing, and they encouraged the crowd to ask for Barabbas's release and have Jesus executed. The crowd followed the religious leaders. How often do we follow, even when we know it's not right? They followed and they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And even though Pilate felt that Jesus was innocent, he gave the people what they wanted. Jesus was then publicly humiliated by the governor's soldiers. They, they spit on him. And they mocked him, mocked the idea of him being king of the Jews by putting a scarlet robe on him and, and thrusting a painful crown of thorns on his head. And they beat him, and then they led him to his final execution, forcing him to drag his own cross. The one who just days earlier had been hailed a hero is now treated as a common criminal and nailed to the cross. And the religious leaders continue to mock him and say, he saved others, but he can't save himself. So, as I said in my opening prayer, many of us have heard this story every year. It's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard this. You know what? It's really important for us to hear this because every time we hear scripture, it can come to life and the Holy Spirit can use it to give us a new glimpse or a new meaning. It's not same old, same old. We've got to dwell in this spot thinking about what happened to Jesus and it's uncomfortable to be in this spot, but we've got to be here in order to really try to understand what Easter is all about. We can't jump from Hosanna to the cross or to the resurrection. We have to go to the cross. We have to go to the crucifixion. And crucifixion was the cruelest way 
to die. It was a very common way to die, but it was so cruel. I mean, it wasn't just the nails being nailed in. I mean, can you imagine what that was like? But what would happen would be the, the person wouldn't die from blood loss, but they couldn't hold themselves up. And so they die of suffocation. I mean, gasping for breath. Well, there was a point where Jesus knew his time had come and he willingly gave up his spirit. Now, that's a key thing to remember. Unlike me, who will die when I die, you know, I'm, Jesus willingly, it's like, okay, it is my time. I'm going to give up my spirit. And what that means for us is that he willingly did that so that you and I might be saved from the pits of hell. Saved from our own selves. I mean, left under, under our own devices. We just, we don't do a good job with our own lives. And so he came to tell us and show us through that act of giving his own life the depth of his love for every single one of us so that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Have joy in the midst of circumstances that would be anything but joyful. Peace when, when everything's going crazy around us. That's because Jesus willingly went to the cross and died for us. And it's so that we could have a relationship with Jesus here on earth and in heaven. Eternity. That's what Lori talked about last week. We can have life with Christ forever. And so our mortal bodies might die, but we don't die because we're with Jesus forever. That's why it's so important to kind of understand what's happening here, what he did. It's a gift. Well, after he willingly gave up his spirit for us, there was a guy named Joseph. Joseph of Arimathea, he, he was well-to-do, and he had purchased uh, a tomb, a new tomb, and he took Jesus, wrapped his body in clean linen, and placed his body in the tomb that had been cut into a rock. And there, there was this large stone that was placed at the entrance of the tomb. So, quite a week, huh? Started with shouts of Hosanna and ended with shouts of crucify him. Started with the waving of palm branches. Yeah. Spreading them out in the road. Ended with the throwing of verbal stones, so to speak. And we just have to wonder, don't we, huh? How did that happen? And yet, some weeks aren't that much different in our lives with Jesus, are they? Because we, too, on the one hand, we, we sing Jesus' praises as we, so to speak, wave the palm branches. And all too often, we crucify him when we turn our backs and we desert him and <laughs> throw stones through our actions, and all too often through our inactions. In effect, 
nailing him to the cross by what we do and don't do. Those times that we fail Jesus by, by not praying with someone, we feel that nudge that we should. Staying quiet when we should defend someone, when we should come to their aid. Those times when we fail to take an opportunity to, fa- to share our faith with someone, to, to let them know that we follow Jesus, he's our Savior, and encourage them to invite him to be their Savior as well. Fearful of what they might think. Fearful of what others may think. Those times when we don't speak up in a group, when we feel we're too much in the minority as a believer. Yeah, we throw stones at Jesus all the time by our actions and by our inactions. Consider this. Do you ever wonder as you wander? Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church. Connecting people with Jesus.